It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Keeping an objective eye on the NFC East. Well, and also making fun of the Cowboys. Well, thank you very much. It's The Beast, a Radio.com podcast about the enemies of the East. All right, welcome back into another episode of The Beast. I am Vince Quinn in with John Bartrand, who is live from the airport again. Hi, John. Hey, buddy. It's, uh, we're getting this uh, the uh, the tricks of the airport thing down pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, are you like, uh, what was that Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks movie where he lives in the airport? for like- Oh, The Terminal. That was just on HBO. See, is that part of your, your thing with Dana? Is that the next next movie that you need to go and see? Is it is it good? No, it's not that great. Well, then no. I mean, I- okay. <laughs> well, well, if there's another all-time great movie that I've clearly passed over, then I, I will gladly watch that and talk about it for months as if it's brand new. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still talking about The Fugitive, by the way. That's been my life. Like, I was at a okay, wedding good. last night, and I'm, I'm still talking about The Fugitive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing great. But As you should have. Oh, yeah. you, know what I, you know what else I learned, Vince? What? Um, in the last five months, I've been calling myself 36 years old. And in fact, I'm 35 years old. I did my math wrong on my 35th birthday and gave myself. I did oh, a late birthday, you, and I just you, discovered it right now. You forgot how old you are. Like, actually, yeah. like consistently forgot how old you are. Yeah, you know, for five months, I thought I was 36 until I realized I was like, wait a minute, it is not 2019. Why am I trying to rush to die? And uh, here I am at 35. Oh my god! Right and bushy tailed, dude. That's amazing. Like, I'll forget my age for like. 10 seconds because it really it doesn't matter anymore you know once you're out of college like nobody cares but right. man uh, I, I, <laughs> five, months <is> awesome. <laughs> five months just discovered it last night that had a euphoric moment i was like wait a minute i'm not 36 so i feel like um I, we're gonna make up for lost time and i think that's what we're gonna do today because uh a lot of crazy things happened uh, yesterday yeah it was wild dude let's start with dallas right because they just they knock the shit out of the Jaguars and they beat them forty to seven, John. Forty to seven. I mean, that's crazy. Like I, I, I watched the score. Now, I think were you at a wedding yesterday too? Yeah, yeah, I was. But I looked up and it was seven to nothing. And then I looked down and I looked back up again and it was forty to seven. And that's why I was just like, how did this? How is this possible? And then rewatching exactly how they kind of just tore apart a Jaguars defense was. Really simplistic, wasn't it? I mean, it was just a lot of inside zone and a lot of Dak Prescott running on major plays, and then all of a sudden, Cole Beasley is abusing the hell out of their slot corner for a hundred yards plus. Like they, they picked on him a lot. Nine, what did he finish with? Nine wrecks too. So you're just like, 
okay, I guess they changed their game plan and that's what they're going with. And um, I, the, the theory still holds up. I mean, we've been saying that the Eagles for a long time are going to be a home, they're a home team. They play better there. But now Dallas has kind of flipped that. And, and you can already hear the rumblings happening now, too. It's like, oh, they beat the number one ranked defense. Listen, as I've been telling James Sosa for a very long time, the Jaguars are frauds and they're showing themselves right now. And so is Blake Bortles and the, everybody played poorly. Um, it it's weird though, isn't it? Like you don't expect the Dallas Cowboys and their anemic offense. And by the way, uh, Dak Prescott still didn't throw over 200 yards in, in this game again, but he also didn't turn over the football. And that's been it's everybody's success. But for them, I mean, making sure that uh, Zeke gets going, and he didn't have like a big flashy game either. But um, it's it's weird. It's weird that the Dallas offense worked against this because you would expect the complete opposite coming into it. I guess that's what makes the NFL great. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where I think we're beginning to see a, a change of the times, John. Like, there, what what's going on with Dak Prescott right now is that I think Dallas is realizing what he is. They've wanted to believe that he's a legit franchise quarterback for a long time, basically since he came into the league, but... They tried to do those things. Hey, we're just going to have him drop back, and he's going to throw the ball like down the field 20 yards, and he, and he can't do it, and he's not good enough to throw bad receivers open. So now we're seeing him run the ball a lot more. You're seeing bootlegs and things. And Dak Prescott, over the course of the game, 11 rushes, 82 yards, and a touchdown. And he looked good out there. I mean, as a passer, he's obviously limited. But he looked good. It was weird to see Dak Prescott have such a good game, and I think we're going to see more of that. It's a lot of the, like you said, a lot of you know inside runs with Zeke, and the line looked good. Um, when you pair that up with Dak moving around a little bit, Dallas's offense is actually it's pretty solid. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing too is the weird, almost to a point where the Jaguars never really adjusted in this game either, and especially when like the pocket broke down and Dak's just scampering on down like he's. I want to get a bowl of cereal from uh, <laughs> and it's midnight. And he's just right. like, oh, okay, I'll just, I guess I'll just trot down here for 20 hours. They didn't have a spy on them the entire game and they didn't adjust to that at all. So, you know, like the secondary was doing their job as it should have and then there was no pressure. They just kind of let up and, and let him kind of do his thing. They let everybody do their thing. It wasn't, this was not a typical Jaguars type of performance, but we've been kind of seeing that for the past couple of weeks with them too and this is why like everybody can try and hang their hat on Blake Bortles and Listen, I, did you see this too, Vince? Everybody in the AFC South now with this has a negative scoring differential. The oh entire division. That's the entire amazing. division. So you can rescind your Titans are better than yeah, the Ravens take at this point. Well, yeah, we're going to burn that tape. Let's, let's yeah. burn that tape. Um, yeah, I never said that about the Titans. I've never been a fan. <laughs> um, yeah, like they, they've just fallen apart completely. And they got shut out. Like who gets shut out in the NFL anymore, especially this year? Like that's that's horrible. They, they lost to the Bills. So, yeah, the Titans are dead to me. And I never want to talk about them again. But going back to Dallas here, um, they, they built that lead early. And for Jacksonville, they're, they are such a limited team, right? They can only run the ball. Bortles sucks. And so whenever they're down even 14 points, it feels insurmountable. And it is. I mean, they, they just they can't do anything. But by the way, Dallas's defense is pretty good, John. we got to acknowledge that, too. Yeah, they're pretty, uh, pretty solid again. And this is, this is kind of a, an ongoing thing here. I mean, even the defensive tackles, I thought, had probably the most impressive game in this one. So that's something that we're not accustomed to when – you're talking about, you know, Dallas, you're, you're looking at their defensive ends, you're looking at their rotation, and they still uh, did, you know, fine for what they were. There's nothing flashy 
that they really did. And again, it's because the, <laughs> the Jaguars just kind of went, I'm done. You can have it. And and that happened, you know, towards the latter part of the third quarter. And you're just sitting there going like, all right, you made them completely one dimensional. If you want me to just worry about Blake Bortles again, that's a pretty easy thing to do. So, yeah, but it is. It, it's been it's been really impressive. Their secondary has continued on, and um, none of it scares me. Then <laughs> just you know, just well, like you sit there and go like, okay. No, I'm not saying that they're they wouldn't be anybody between them and Washington, who we'll get to in a little bit too, which was yeah. another another weird Jay Gruden freaking boring ass <laughs> combo of, <laughs> of goodness once again. But um, between all these guys, so I'm saying none of these none of these guys are doing anything special. They're just playing really good solid football for the time being and that's what's kind of been successful for them in their wins at home no different than than what we saw here this week but yeah they they just they came out and they played solid um david irving is back and he's a really good player randy gregory is back so they get him in the rotation uh leighton vanderesh looks pretty good out there so it's not like they've really lost a whole lot with sean lee being out dallas man they're right there i i honestly i, I was writing them off and and we were doing it like two weeks ago but yeah. when you, and, and they still had a horrible game against Houston the week before. But when you look at what they've been able to do these past couple of weeks, they have changed the offense up a little bit. Their defense is looking better. And right now, here's some of the numbers, John. Like, through six weeks of the season, now granted, not against very good competition, but they are second in the league in points allowed. They're fifth in yards. They're second in yards per attempt that they allow on the ground. I mean, they are they're a pretty good defense right now. So when you see what they're able to do, it's going to be a lot of fun because next week uh, they play Washington. So like that's going to be a lot of fun to see those two teams square off and and figure out you know who's that other team that's really going to be the contender here with the Eagles because Dallas they've really made a strong case recently. Yeah, they have, and it's just and just like you said. I mean, it's you know it's it's the Seahawks, it's the Giants. Um, that Panthers game was really weird for them to open up the season. The Lions, they were kind of battling back and forth with the Texans, you know, squeeze them out. But the, the defense certainly has kept them in games, but again, not against incredibly strong offensive opponents and or like, you know, when they when they ended up seeing them too. So we'll get, they're, they're, you know, just like anything else when, when everybody's <laughs> questioning the Eagles and their opponents and that happened early in the season, um, the numbers still don't kind of lie on that. I'm a little skeptical on them in terms of just putting it all together um, more so than, you know, I, I think of the Eagles are actually even Washington at this point. Washington's to me, is playing a little more consistent football um, on, on both sides there, even though, I mean, we might as well get into it now, Vince. Uh, that, <laughs> that Carolina Panthers game was dreadful for Carolina in the first quarter. I mean, just turnover after turnover, they didn't have to do anything. You know, Washington didn't have to do anything, and Carolina basically – gave them points where you didn't watch that at all yeah no it was it was a really bad game from Carolina and I felt bad in a way because I really like DJ Moore I think he's going to be a great player it's nice to see a wide receiver that's got attitude and, and runs hard but um, Carolina yeah I mean Cam Newton had one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see just like lobbed it way up there and Josh Norman that was an easy pick uh, all those fumbles for short fields and here's the thing like Washington won that game but it wasn't easy. Uh, they, it still ended up being a fairly close game, 23-17. So it's not like they blew them out despite all those turnovers. And the other thing is that when you're looking at this thing here, uh, and this is my problem ultimately with Washington, is I look at them and I say, who's that guy that takes over games? Where's their star power, right? Offense and defense. I really can't think of a single guy that dominates and changes games. 
It's Paul Richardson, of course. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> uh, yeah, there isn't there isn't that guy. And even some see, that's what I mean. The people are going to look at if you just box scored this and went like, all right, um, you know, they they still had like an effective game plan and they they went down there, but they were silent through what? I mean, they didn't they didn't score again after that first half until. Uh, what is it, what is it, fourth quarter, third quarter? I can't really remember off the top of my head, but I mean, their offense completely just kind of sputtered at that point. And I feel like it turns into old Alex Smith a little bit as well, where he gets a little more nervous and he gets protected by the ball. And you're right, like their, their downfield passing numbers just really aren't there. They'll surprise you every now and again. But again, it's not like a consistent, this offense scares you or this defense scares you. And a lot of those, like Josh Norman's interception was, just like you said, was an absolute gimme. And that's what that happened a lot of the time here. DJ Moore was having fumble, fumble problems um, early and often in here. And then when Carolina finally came and turned it on, they, they, didn't, they couldn't really stop it. And that's what you're kind of trying to find that benchmark for the Eagles at some point during the season. I think they kind of are that, but um, I mean, it is, it is still massive uh, thing to see when, you know, Cam Newton is, is running all these power options and all these different kind of looks at North Turner's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine running off tackle power with my quarterback and Cam wants to do that. And they were gushing those guys at some point. And even leading up to, you know, they had their chances uh, down in the, in the fourth quarter, they couldn't put them away. And Washington's not a team that's, that's kind of put anybody away necessarily except for that, that one blowout. So, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I feel – I would actually – to your point, I actually feel more like Dallas could be the more consistent team by the end of the year. But for now, I think Washington still is, but they're doing it in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah, Washington is so yeah, – the best way I can put it is, you know how in baseball they have this idea of the re- the replacement player, like the totally average player? Washington's whole team is basically replacement players, it feels like. So they're not stars anywhere, but they're all like totally solid, and there's just enough solid guys that they're, they're getting the job done, but it's not flashy. They're not dominating people. They don't have that big-name guy. Like, Peterson is a legacy thing, and he still looks pretty good. Right. But running backs, we're, we're going to talk a lot about them. They're just not all that important anymore. And so... Well... Yeah, they're not. We'll get, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later. But, I mean, they're, they're just not so Peterson isn't enough to move the needle in any way where you say like oh my god what are we going to do against Washington and so they've got a lot of issues like as much as they're a good team they're just so wholly uninspiring and they just need that one big piece I don't know what they do I don't know if you can fix it this year you probably can't but missing out like Josh Doxson and having that pick be a bust it just really stands out at this point John Oh yeah, big time. And that's and it's kind of funny that you said it's like replacement players because when I look at Adrian Peterson, for some reason my mind goes, oh yeah, it's like Ken Griffey Jr. on the White Sox, and it's just kind of like, yeah, it looks weird, and uh, he still has some pop in his bat and whatever. But for the most part, it is there. There isn't a lot of a lot of pop there. And I'm actually surprised that I don't know what happened, but you know, uh, and maybe it's the connection with Vernon Davis. But they've been going to him, and and Alex Smith feels a lot more comfortable than Jordan Reed, and Jordan Reed's supposed to. You know, we we all know the story, but it's just surprising to me a little bit that they're not leaning on him uh, a little more to kind of get big chunk plays or, like, take care of the middle of the field, and they're not really kind of going and doing that. They're relying on their run game a lot more. But outside of Adrian Peterson, there isn't buddy, there's nobody that is moving the ball. I mean, they try to do things with Samaj P. Ryan, and it's just not – it's not working. You know, Chris Thompson was pretty quiet in this game, too. Like, well, he's hurt, though, right? I can't remember what happened to him. Yeah, but, I, uh, I don't think he – or if he played, he was very limited. Um, yeah. It was forgettable. But, 
yeah, very forgettable for for anybody. So it's that, and that's the thing when we're all like in this massive discussion about playmakers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Washington, will, the thing that will advance them because they'll play steady football, but the thing that'll keep them behind is because they don't have anybody to go make a play. And I don't care how many times that we can have an Alex Smith, you know, debate or argument or something like that. He's not that guy that's going to go do that for you and he needs the Kansas City Chiefs offense to kind of go and do that and man oh man are we seeing the difference <laughs> between him and a guy like Pat Mahomes that can enhance all those playmakers and do all that fun stuff but um, yeah it's um, it, it'll be an interesting race here too and I, I still say that a little reluctantly like I'm still feeling pretty comfortable to the Eagles to take care of this division but you know Again, you're gonna. It's it, it is what it is. Like Dallas is gonna play them hard. Everybody plays these guys hard. So mm-hmm. um, I'm. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm getting nervous, but I'm saying, all right. There's there's got to be a, uh, an opportunity for the Eagles to kind of come in here and start to pull away, being one and zero in the divisions. You know, good and just like you said, these those two teams will match up and they can beat each other up, and somebody's gonna lose there. So. Um, but you know, Carolina and then London, which the Eagles have never done before, and then a bye week and. Jesus, you know, Jason Peterson is this torn bicep and all this other stuff that's happening. So um, I, I think it's a little more open than we might give it credit for, but I got a strong feeling that as long as Carson continues to do his things and, you know, move this team forward, that it's still maybe not comfortably theirs, but clearly they are uh, across the board have more playmakers than any of the other guys that we had mentioned. Um, you know, you, people can say Zeke and Dallas, and that's well and good, but I don't think Cole Beasley's nine for one hundred and one every week. You no. know, so so uh, that that's in, in that aspect, Vince, and they have guys that can go make them plays, and hopefully they have guys that are healthier making plays uh, by the time that it's really important towards the ass end of the season. Yeah, but man, uh, you go into this year, and at first it was like, well, the Eagles are probably going to win like at least five of their division games, if not just sweep the whole division. And now, I don't know, you know, they could, maybe it's four. Uh, like, the, the division's good, so it's going to be really interesting, obviously, with the Giants being the, the obvious exception. And let's talk about the Giants, because the whole story right now is Eli Manning's done, and what do you do about it? And here's the thing. Here's my problem uh, If as you look at New York. Because last year, the way that they not only rioted when, when Eli got benched, but yeah. they fired the coach and the general manager in part because of benching Eli. So when you've given him that kind of status... But what do you do? I mean, what like that puts Pat Shermer in a bad spot. When can you bench Eli Manning? Are they going to have the guts to bench Eli Manning? Is it worth putting Kyle Lalletta in? Like th- this is a weird and bad situation for the Giants, John. See, the the crazy thing is, we all have to admit it now. Ben McAdoo is right. <laughs> yeah, you know he he might have been a terrible coach, and but like no differences really. Pat Shermer still staying pretty comfortably with what his quarterback wants to do. That's not changing anything. That has not changed anything. Regardless of what we think about Saquon Barkley, who I think we can say is fantastic. Superstar. The, the highlight plays are going to be there on his, on his, and I mentioned this on the postgame show, but they did it in points, and that's on the quarterback. That's on the offensive line. It's on a, a lot of different things. I wouldn't even say it's on any of the wide receiving core. I mean, Sterling Shepard, OBJ, um, all of those guys are going to 
they should be having career years almost every single year if they have a decent quarterback. They, I'll even say it. If they had Alex Smith on that team, it would be completely different than what it is right now. No doubt. So you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be having as, as many struggles. Like there, At least there's mobility there. I mean, Eli's so stiff. And just as <laughs> and dead and rigor mortis is setting in and all that, you're just going. Well, then what's the big deal? We all see it, you know. And uh, Jordan Renan had an ESPN article that went up before the game, and it said, "Yeah, I mean, everybody thinks that he's gone and and done, and the record shows it. This is the second year in a row that it's gone. They've ignored the position." And I don't care what people say. Oh, it's like, well, you can go. Their plan was not to come in here and tank. By taking Saquon Barkley, that is not their plan. You can you can trick yourself into that now because you know that it's a really bad team and it's one in five that's going to continue to be bad. And maybe they get to three wins and, hey, yeah, maybe. They, they can go get a quarterback. You do not wait on quarterbacks. You just don't. And, and every time that we've – and I, that's something that I believe maybe three, four years ago when you're judging class by class, if – if you don't take a quarterback that you really like, and they probably like somebody in this draft, and how couldn't you? Then you screwed up. You screwed up. Like it's 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 better you use your resources. And how much better does this team feel and look, even if they don't have Saquon Barkley, but they have Baker Mayfield, or if they have Josh Rosen, or whatever. this class coming in is not that good. I don't think it's as good as the as the last one. And we can all make those predictions and I can be hilariously wrong. And I have been before in the past. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much that really means, but there isn't a strong candidate right now that you're going, Oh good. If you just pair this quarterback up with Saquon Barkley, then it'll be great. I think they're better off bringing in another veteran of, of some sort of not named Sam Bradford and just, or even Nick well, or whatever. Let me, that theory has been floated out there a little bit too. Ben. Let me throw out something for you, John. This would be a fun one. Yeah. After the season, you trade for Joe Flacco. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, first of all, love that because that's embarrassing. But yes, like they, 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 they probably should do something like that if they're in that mode to go and do that. But again, that's going to be really interesting in Baltimore. Uh, I mean, they've kind of made the decision already by, by taking uh, Lamar there. And um, you know, there's already tension uh, in between there. But yeah, sure. I mean, Joe has a couple, a couple of good years left in him and you can define good however you want to but there's also uh, I don't know I think that what we're seeing out of Flacco is more or less like this guy has a fire under his butt because he doesn't want to lose his job and so that's going to make it a lot better plus I think they run uh, a way better offensive scheme down there their defense is, is way more sound so if you put Joe Flacco in New York I wouldn't expect the same kind of results that you're seeing right now but Something like that could be pretty interesting if they go in. But if you trade for Joe Flacco, that also means that I'm sure there's going to be a discussion or know-how of, hey, we're also going to draft a, a quarterback this year. And I don't think he would want to put himself in that situation. If anything, he knows he has a starting job in Baltimore. Um, I, I know it's kind of out of his control. I don't know if there's would be any kind of foster ruckus or anything like that, but I don't know. I think that leads leads to uh, a lot of bad things. Um, I, you know, free agents are probably an easier way to go in that, and they need to find a quarterback. <laughs> so I don't care. Like Eli's been been propped up and praised for way too long anyway, and he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, and he shouldn't. And they need to. It doesn't matter. I mean, they, every hasn't everyone in New York closed the book on this already? Well, if for Eli in the Hall of Fame. 
No, for for having him be the quarterback of the, oh, well, of the, of yeah, the Giants. Yeah, everybody's done with that. And so, and you know what? Let's talk about this real quick because you kind of touched on it. The idea that, okay, uh, the Giants are going to tank this year. And now they're going to end up drafting a quarterback. Now, the the bad take that's been out there recently is this idea of, well, the Giants draft a running back, and now they get to tank and take a quarterback, and so you get Saquon and the quarterback. That's, that's what everybody's saying. So this can work out really well for the Giants. Now, here's my problem with that idea, and I just want to hear your thoughts uh, on this, is, like, that sounds good. But the problem is the entire thought process that led to them getting the quarterback again because they didn't want to tank. They didn't want to be near the top of the draft and they didn't think they would be. So their whole understanding of football is so bad that they thought drafting a running back would put them in the playoffs. And instead, they poorly evaluated the roster and how the league works. And they've got uh, probably uh, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in football. So, sure, they're going to have that opportunity to draft a quarterback, but everything else is so flawed beneath how they got to that point that even if they draft the quarterback, you have to have massive issues and concerns with this thing, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't, you can make whatever kind of circled argument you want about that. They signed Jonathan Stewart to $3.5 million to help, like, bolster the running game to help Eli because they think that would ease the tension, which would lead to more play-action passes, which would lead to more downfield throws. And guess what? None of that has happened. None of it has happened. Go back and read any any transcript of Dave Gettleman, of Pat Shermer, of all those guys. They wanted to compete. They thought, look at what they, – they sold hard. Look at their media guides. They sold hard on, well, in the last two years with Leonard Fournette you know, and Ezekiel, the guys that were drafted in the top five had plus eight in the win column. And guess what? You can't draft somebody and in top two. You can't do that and then start out the season one and five. Go sell that story somewhere else. It just your your football team was horrendous and bad. And when you had an opportunity to probably trade Eli Manning, which you certainly could have in any of the past three or four years and have them be comfortable with it to restart. And that's what you saw with a lot of different teams. You saw that's what the Chiefs, you know, uh, have done. You saw that um, the the Eagles have done that. The, you know, there there are plenty of examples of like, hey, it's time to sit there and move on. And that was why I got so so excited from the past couple of years. And they, you know, it's a I rarely call things correctly, but <laughs> from the moment that the Giants were interested in Saquon, I said, please, 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 please do that. And it's unfolding beautifully here. Yeah, it's it's stupid logic, Vince. That's what I'm saying. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Anyone yeah. that's trying to make this thing into a tank is 100% wrong, and that's to guard their feelings that their front office and general manager fucked up, and they did. Yeah, so don't believe any of the spin. Don't believe any of these garbage takes. Everything is going to be bad for the Giants because the whole thing is just it's driven poorly. Now, that brings us into the main discussion that's been going on with the Eagles, John, because it's this idea of, all right, uh, what do they got to do to get Le'Veon Bell? Let's get a running back in here. Well, uh, the other name that's been floated out now is being available is Amari Cooper. And if I had to pick between Bell and Cooper, I'm going with Cooper, and I'm not thinking twice about it. Now, where do you stand on it? Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking four, five, six, seven times about that. To be honest with you, I, I, I listen. Trust me, I love Amari Cooper. I thought that was that was the the riches of wide receivers from back to back years. You had that massive class, and what was that? 2014, and then 2015. Just you know, he was he was a part of that. So um, it um, 
unfortunately, and, and this is the bigger question that I have now, you know, even with the injury that he sustained, who knows if that's even uh, a thing now because you've got to clear and be, you know, physically capable to play football to do all that. Uh, do I think that anyone, especially Derek Carr or any one of those people that are playing for the Raiders right now, just like it's the Raiders of old of, you know, the late 90s where it became the black hole and if people got out of there like Randy Moss, you could reblossom your career again. I kind of think that Amari Cooper is in that, and um, but there are there are some things that he has done that are his own, especially with the drop season. Um, I, it, they're kind of, I mean, he's got a lot more speed, obviously, than Alshon Jeffrey, but now you're starting to get into similar body types on the field, and you know, you're like, dude, it's it's an upgrade over Aiken, and I'm saying yes, or Perkins, or whatever else you would throw out there. Absolutely. We just got done talking about playmakers and allowing Carson Wentz, like, hey, if you are going to stick with Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood, then yes, you should go that route and do all that. So I get where everybody's coming from on that. And I don't even know if it's Derek Carr, and that's a bunch of people's narratives right now. It's like, well, it's the quarterback that's really screwing him up. If Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is throwing to him, it's a completely different story. I think that's true of anybody. You know, we we, we can establish that now that Carson Wentz makes but makes players better, makes the offense run better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down with it. I think it's actually riskier. Now we're talking about if both guys just came here and, and well, we'll just stick with their situations, actually, because that's not realistic anyway. Mari Cooper's got some time, at least, that, um, and maybe you can extend him if he ends up being the thing that he continued in, you know, in in early in his career, uh, last year was weird. This year, it's John Gruden. He's destroying everything that they've built over everything. there. Everything. So I get where people are coming from. But if you truly want to help Carson Wentz and you truly want these guys to to, to contend for a Super Bowl this year, this is, this is the difference. Running backs might not matter. And I know that is is a big thing that I kind of battle back and forth with a lot. I think I stand up for running back. Stay on one side, John. They don't matter. They don't matter they, anymore. No, they, no, they, they they certainly do, and Le'Veon Bell does. And that's the biggest difference because if I'm going into the Super Bowl and everybody's right now saying that they're okay with Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood as their two running backs, you're lying to yourself. I don't I don't care how you felt about the Super Bowl, but where you saw Corey kind of go and take off, we're dealing in the now. And the now says that they're not great, <laughs> you know, that, that is going to cause some problems. And so is your offensive line is a little banged up. And now you have a possibility of Vitae being in there with Isaac Sayomalu, which to me is a death trap. I mean, that's, that's not great. Now they're better in the, in certainly in, in the running game uh, than they have been in pass protection. And that's just been true of both of them. So what goes well with a good running game, a, a run blocking scheme that the, the Eagles have certainly shown the best, the best running back in the game. The, one of the best playmakers in the league. That's where you need to go. To me, Amari Cooper is a question mark. You don't trade for question marks unless you are 100% certain that it'll work in your system that you've checked and said, like trying to gather all that information and that's stuff that we're not really privy to. Le'Veon Bell to me is still the number one thing that will help Carson Wentz and for all the people that want balance and all that stuff, I actually am shocked and amazed at how many people want Amari Cooper over Le'Veon Bell because they think he's going to jet off with $100 million into the Jets or Broncos or whatever. Hey, that might be true, but if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, then you can uh, take the risk and convince these guys. That's that's the bigger difference here. You know, you don't, you hear he's not a team guy. It's all the same stuff when people are asking for money. It's in a weird situation. Uh, I'm still on Le'Veon Bell's camp 100% over Amari Cooper right now. All right, well, uh, well here's the thing. Be, uh, if Le'Veon Bell came in here, uh, is he the bell cow guy? Is he in every down? I, I would just, yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, they're, 
there's going to be a change of pace, and Corey is like a great change of pace for a third down, and I don't even know if you really change out Le'Veon Bell on third down, but, well, but is yeah, he gonna, needs rest Is he going to want to be a workhorse guy, though? If he gets traded, no, is he? Uh, he wants yeah. to get that contract. That's why he's not playing right now, and so he's going to come in, and for the few games that he plays, he's going to play every snap for a team that, that just traded for him. He doesn't know those guys, trust well, those guys. Gonna, well, if you, if you trust his words on, you know, showing up for the Steelers in week seven and saving uh, saving his legs for all that, I mean, yes, of course, you can't. Otherwise, he's not going to get paid, Vince. That's the whole point. Like, nobody's going to pay him the $100 million if he's just going to take 10 carries for, you know, whatever it is, uh, eight or nine games for the rest of the season. Well, no, if, he's he should, go if he looks good, if he looks good in those games and, and he hits the market, then, you know, it's just like, yeah, I was I was in reduced snaps, but I did that because I saw what happened with Earl Thomas, and I think people would pay him anyway. I mean, he really doesn't have to be a bell cow guy. So that's that's part of my problem with it is I don't trust him as a bell cow guy. The other thing is, like, you just look at the way the league is, right? There's so much passing. There's all these records being set this year yeah. especially. And so when you see all those numbers, I mean, uh, Saquon Barkley goes for like 229 yards and it doesn't matter. Todd Gurley has a similar performance against the Broncos. I mean, like, these are great. Oh, you're telling me it didn't matter? You're telling me him running for 200 yards didn't matter? Here's what I'm telling you. is When those guys run for 200 yards, that's great. But ultimately, great running backs putting up Hall of Fame caliber performances. I mean, those are like all-time performances when you look at, at what running backs have done historically. And but why is Le'Veon Bell not in that category? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. No, like, but here's yeah. the thing. He's in that category. But when those guys do those things, like how many points are the, the Rams ended up with 23 points from a generational performance from an all-time great running back? Like that's that's running backs in the NFL. They get Sure, you can, you can win games. They can get you a game here and there. But they're not the kind of guys running backs in this day and age don't bury teams. And so what buries teams is the passing game. It's all about what gets you the most yards and a pass in general, is going to get you more than a run. So, Does Le'Veon Bell catch the ball or not? Well, he does catch the ball, and that's a good okay, thing. Okay, what are we talking about? But realistically, <laughs> I, I don't, one, I don't think he's going to be the bell cow guy. Uh, I think he's going to want, you know, rotational snaps well, when just you, to get through on, the Vince, season. When you, say, when, when you say bell cow, are you talking about a guy that's like Larry Zonka? Do you want him to carry 25 times or whatever? I just, well, I just, just want him to every touch down. the ball. I just want him to touch the ball 25 to 30 times. I don't care if it's on the ground, in the air, or whatever. He can do both of those things. If you're saying that the safer play is Amari Cooper, who's yeah. just, who, who may or may not have a, have a problem catching the football now and, and hasn't looked himself really in two years, that's the safer option, and that's what this offense needs, and you're going to stick with Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm, I really am okay with that. But if, it, but I never, ever, ever want to hear anyone ever again use a balanced offense or run the ball here or Carson's getting killed and needed to run. Because no. that's, that's the bigger problem. And again, this is a different category. If we're sitting here talking about Marshawn Lynch, no, then it doesn't. I don't think it's that necessary for to picking off anybody, even if it was a guy like Royce Freeman or somebody like that. Tevin Coleman's a name that, that I've heard, and that makes a lot of sense because I, I the, guess, Fal- but the I Falcons suck. You know, he's a young guy. He, he's a good player. Yeah, and and look, that I, I just I don't think that's realistic. I still think that they want to hold on to him, especially with you know I think Devontae Freeman's out again tonight, so they need somebody that's going to be there. Listen, I, I get it, but those as much as I'm saying all this, it does matter because it's this is not the Giants. 
Because I can say Saquon Barkley has had a major impact on their offense. They have, and they haven't had a quarterback to be able to go in and punch it into the end zone. They have that here. It's a difference. I would gladly welcome Saquon Barkley in this offense just like anybody else would because that's when different make, difference makers are there. And if you have an opportunity to go to, again, in their position, top two, three, uh, you know, football player that is way different than anybody else, then that's what you do. You, you go with guys that are generational talents that can absolutely change this offense with, again, a probably generational quarterback here in Philadelphia. But top-of-the-line running backs never carry teams, though. Like, how many teams with bad quarterbacks uh, win Super Bowls because the running back is just so oh, Vince, exceptionally good? the point. There's no, there is no bad quarterback in Philadelphia. <laughs> no, but it's but that's no, but it, it it is the point though because it's all about the value of the position. How important are running backs? How much do they help you win games on a week in and week out basis? And when you're talking about a, like a second round pick for a guy that may or may not take all the snaps in the backfield and plays the running back position, I'd rather have a wide receiver. I mean, even if it's so, a, so I, I would much so rather have a wide receiver. So you're taking a round off to go get Amari Cooper as a, th- a third-round pick, and he's not going to get the ball as much as Le'Veon Bell would. And somehow, why is that okay versus, again, a guy that can change your offense dramatically? Because That's the, what I don't understand. Because it's the value of the passing game. He's not going to touch the ball as much, but his net production and what it could lead to on the field could be pretty similar, and, it, and that's at less of a cost, and he's a guy that you could keep long-term. I mean, if he is your number two wide receiver, he's so overqualified for that, and, and they'll have a really dominant passing game. I mean, wait till like, let's say Mike Wallace comes back, and then you've got Wallace, Aguilar, Cooper, Jeffrey, Ertz. Like, that's basically unstoppable, and it's going to be such a problem, and it makes it easier. Like, when your passing game is so good, all you need to do is run the ball 35% of the time and you have guys like Clement and Smallwood and and if you get another like low level back a cheap guy that isn't a diva then you bring him in and those guys will be successful like the the big thing that bothers me about this running back stuff is the idea that the running backs aren't doing a good job when they're in there it's not like Clement's missing holes Smallwood's running for six yards a carry I mean they're they're playing well no he's not not. that's what I'm saying you ran from 2.9 last game 2.9 that's one one game I know, but I'm saying if you if you want to rely on consistency at the running back position, which they don't have right now, and that's up in the air, the, how how are we? How as a fan base are we against trading or for trading a JJ last year going on a run and not someone that is that is a hundred times better than JJ? <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's crazy to me, but it's a good debate to have. So I'm curious what everybody thinks, Cooper or Bell. Uh, what do you think? At, at, at Go Birds Pod, we'll settle it there. Yeah, because I was running it on Twitter, but frankly, it, nobody follows me. So yeah, let's do it on the let's do it <laughs> we'll on the Go Birds Pod. Added Vince, added Vince Quinn. We'll yeah. put it there and we'll retweet it from Go Birds. All right, so we'll, we'll uh, yeah we'll see where that fight goes. Now let's go to the top five, John. I want to look at the best five teams in the NFL. And obviously, number one, still reigning champion, 6-0. and We're talking about the Rams. The Rams obviously deserve it, and there's no debate. Number two, surprise, surprise, it's the Patriots, because when you win a shootout against the Chiefs, holy crap, are you good? And they did that. So, number two, uh, no complaints there, right? Good Patriots right there in that spot? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 100%. That was one of the most entertaining games I saw last uh, last night. And, and 
I'm going to tell you guys, if if you're not on that, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes might be better than Carson Wentz train. You better start thinking about it. He might He's be. That good. He might be. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see, obviously I want to see more games still. It's just a sample size thing. But, man, he looks amazing, and he very well could be better than Wentz. Um, so, and the Chiefs are right there at three. That's the thing, 100%. too. You, you just you can't put anybody else there. Those are clearly, and that's the other thing, too. I want to say this. Those are clearly the best three teams in the league, and then there's a gap. Like, that is the end of the tier, right? Definitely, hundred. Yeah, it, there's, it, it's it's massive right now. It's almost like, and to an extent, a lot of those a lot of those teams have, have not played uh, great teams. Like some of the Rams, I would consider the wiffle ball team out of out of that one. But still, uh, you, we know this just as well as anybody. You go and beat teams like that consistently, you're really really good. Yeah, I think there's a major drop off here now. Hmm. Yeah, so um, let's go to the fourth team in the league. We're going with the Saints. Obviously, like they had the bye this week, but they've just been rolling, and, and Breeze looks great, and the defense uh, the defense isn't good, but maybe it – I can't imagine a defense that was so good last year can be this bad the next year. I, I, something's got to change with that. I think they'll get a little bit better, and so I, I'm keeping them at the four spot. And See, five. this is where I'm going. Okay. okay, let's hear, let's hear five first, and then we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, I think you can take a deep breath, John, because the Ravens are five. Okay. Yeah. See, I would I would just flip those. I would put the Ravens at four. I think their their defense has been spectacular, and just like we we're saying earlier, Flacco has had this amazing resurgence of "You're not going to take my job," and that's totally cool with that. Yeah, and just like you said, I'm still waiting. I mean, it's it, they the Saints have grown a little bit, and certainly playing Washington and taking the crowd out of them has helped their point differential here. But yeah, I I don't think there's really anybody else you can make the argument for. So it's a little it's a little ticky tack stuff, but I've been uh, I've been on the Ravens train for a while, so that's mm-hmm. I guess I'm sticking with them there and boy oh boy. Everything else is wide open. It's amazing, right? The NFC is stacked and then all of a sudden it's like, well actually it's it's really just kind of one team <laughs> yeah. that's completely stacked and everybody has has a shot. Like even the Vikings, you know, didn't sure they beat up Josh Rosen, but they didn't I mean they didn't look spectacular in there. I'm curious where you put the Eagles right now overall. Oh, man. Uh, You know, the Giants game was nice, and it was good for them to get that blowout. They played 25 minutes of football. It was just garbage time, which is impressive. But it was – part of it is the Giants. Part of it is I I think – I don't still fully like the way Doug's handling the offense. I think he's still reluctant. Like, he switched to quick passes by the third drive, and that's when Mm -hmm. they really started to take off. But the fact it's taken him a couple of drives to do that still, it's just like, Doug, just throw throw a damn short pass right off the bat and just accept it. It works. Um, So until I see that, I don't want to put him too high. Honestly, though, the league is not great. They're right in the mix with the Bears right now. They're in the mix with the Chargers. Um, uh, Carolina's not there, but I don't know. There's like a couple other teams. I guess the Bears and the Chargers are probably the best two teams I would compare them with. And so yeah. they're like just outside of the top five. They're probably in that like, you know, six, seven, eight. Yeah, something yeah. like that. They're right in there. Yeah, that's where it kind of has them too. And I'm even having a tough time trying to decide in between. Um, you know, because I, 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 even though they lost, they just lost to the Steelers, but I put the I put the Bengals there too. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm gonna officially mark them an eight <laughs> and okay. see where that, and see what happens after that because you know there's listen there's a lot of season left and I think that they're finding their juices and all that. I uh, even though it doesn't say so in the divisional standings, like I, I still think they're clearly the best team in the division just based on talent and what's upcoming and now that Carson's got his legs underneath him, uh, it's going to be different. So 
Yeah, but it's a nerve-wracking sell, isn't it? Like, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, the Rams are really good, which, I don't know, you might have heard on this podcast about a million times. But, uh, yep. yeah, they, they, they really are. That's the only team that really scares the crap out of me. Yeah, and, and with good reason. So, uh, with the top five done, John, we got to burn some tape. Who you got this week? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to... I, I'm trying to stay away because we talked about Dallas and and the Jaguars. You should definitely burn that one if you're a Jags fan because there's nothing positive about it. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what you said. You can't allow Marcus Mariota to get sacked eleven times. You just can't do it. 11. I mean that eleven times, no points. There is just nothing going on there, and it just all of that stuff. Because I was making the arguments for a long time. I was like, hey, you know, the Titans' offense is back, and that's what's happening here, but. Nope, you know all the <laughs> all those different things was just a a nice little gracious present from the Eagles secondary there, and uh, they came they came right crashing back on down and yeah they they need some serious help. It's amazing how after <laughs> two weeks, just two weeks, the Titans are just like yeah we can just kind of put them to the side along with everybody else. So Titans need to burn the tape and. I don't know. They might need to burn the season here soon, too. Yeah, oh my God. I can't. The, the Bills game, like you could rationalize that because you beat the Eagles. All right, big win. Then, okay, now you're going to slow down. You're going to have a dud. But, man, two in a row is just, uh, it's it's really bad. So, I, I don't know. They, they're probably, uh, they, they probably suck. They're, they're three and three. They have a shot at the division. The South is a mess. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about the Titans anymore. They're exhausting. So, <laughs> So let's wrap things up here, John, because you got a flight to catch soon. Um, closing thoughts: What do you got, man? Uh, this is a big week, I, you know, and this is the next for at least for the Eagles. It's the next; these are the next steps. I mean, the Panthers. I, it's a it's a very winnable game. The Jaguars, obviously, we know is a very winnable game. So, if you can be five and three going into the bye, that's going to make everybody happy. If you are. Four and four, that is not great. <laughs> it's not going to make people feel great. And even worse, uh, the un, you know, some, some of you even thinking the unthinkable of three and five and how they can start this. If this think of this team as five and three by uh, after London, then um, I think the big buzz is going to start coming back into things. And then you can uh, really start getting into trade deadline talk and a lot of that. I'm still a firm believer in they're still kind of, one, waiting for the price to come down on a couple of things, and I know people have been saying too, and we've been kind of ignoring it a little bit. Uh, but they, you know, wide receiver safety is more their interest now than running back. So, um, then, so I think if they, this team is five and three, then you can expect a big move. And otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to be standing pat and speculating about it for the next two weeks anyway. So it'll be fun. But uh, five and three, I think, gets a deal done. Yeah, that would be really nice. Now, my closing thought. And let's get a little ahead of ourselves, John. I think there might, I would not be surprised if sometime in the next couple of years, if there was an NFL game where there were zero runs called. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh, no, I think that's impossible. It is, <laughs> it is impossible for that to happen. But if there's one guy that could try and do it, it'd probably be Doug Peterson. And I would accept all phone calls, 888-729-9494. Yes. Uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever line you want to call at that point, because... I would probably find a way to defend it, and everybody would be mad at me. Yeah, no, but I, I really, I think it could happen at some point. I don't know, like the the exact team that would do it, but yeah, the, the totally possible. I think it, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Now, uh, one other final thought is like I've been eating very healthy over the last couple of weeks because yeah. I had to fit into a suit for a wedding, and I just I I was. 
10 pounds fatter than I was when I bought the suit. So <laughs> I, I've been losing all this weight. I've been running every day. And, and like I decide, one, the wedding was yesterday. So I, I fit in the suit, which is great. And then I decide to celebrate a little bit. You know, you pick out a wedding. And then today I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to have one last like really sloppy, nasty meal before I get back into being healthy again. And uh, I just feel horrible. I, I, ate, I ate fried pickles and a fried chicken sandwich, and I've just been, like, burping for the last couple of hours, and my body feels like garbage. And it's never happened to me before like that. You know, like, just eating something really greasy makes me feel so miserable. But I think it's because I've been eating healthy recently. So it, the moral of the story here is never stop eating bad food, and it will never bother you. <laughs> that's uh, 100% true, but, I mean, doubling down on the fried stuff is uh, – that's. That's pretty impressive, you know. Chicken sandwich, <laughs> a fried chicken sandwich, and then fried pickles all at the same time as the blowout meal is. Well, it's certainly a blowout. That's we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it's been blowing out of all sorts of places, John. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, we'll we'll wrap things up here for John Bartrand live at the airport. I'm Vince Quinn. You can find us on Twitter at John Bartrand at it's Vince Quinn, and of course at Go Birds Pod, where we want you to vote. Vote. Who do you want, Amari Cooper or Le'Veon Bell? The correct answer is Amari Cooper. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.